So, so those of you who actually take notes, and I, and I really I enjoy that, that you do, I'd like to tell you a little bit where we're going. So if you're taking notes this morning, the scriptures I want you to reference, and not necessarily are we going to cover these in this particular order, but Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. You want to go ahead and write that down. And our theme this morning is simply this, showing compassion. Showing compassion. The question is, what is compassion? And so we'll see also out of Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 41, the gospel of Mark continuing chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. We'll also look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. And then finally, and I'll go over them again, 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. What is compassion? Can I give you a Bible summary of compassion and what that means? Listen to this. It says, Compassion is God's character. It embodies the definition of compassion. In other words, God desires to free others from their suffering. What does that mean? That means this. He has compassion for people that are lost. He has compassion for people that repent, you see, and have a true desire to turn away from sin. He has compassion for people that have faith in him. It also goes on and says this, that God's compassion, say compassion, God's compassion is not just talk and feelings, but his compassion is full of action. When God has compassion, you'll look through the Gospels, and we're going to see just a few examples, and even in the Old Testament, that when God has had compassion on you or someone, that there's action that following, that's following his compassion. He desires to bless mankind because of his compassionate nature of his compassionate nature. Listen to this. Webster says that compassion is, if you want to write this down, it's a feeling of wanting to help someone who is sick, someone who is hungry, or someone who's in trouble. How many have ever helped someone in any of those categories or even others? Someone who was sick, someone who was in trouble, someone that was suffering. Can I see your hand so you know what I'm talking about? Why did you do that? I mean, you just do it because, oh, I just wanted to do that. I'm going to tell you why. Because you had compassion for that person. You had compassion and it welled up in your heart that you extended your hand, you extended kind words, maybe you extended a ride, maybe you did something to demonstrate that you care, you've seen that someone was going through a difficulty or a, or a time of need in their lives, and you did what? You stepped out and you demonstrated compassion. Also, compassion is this, and we must follow this. It's an, it's an inward urging. Whenever you get an inward urging, or a nudge, like I said, or a scratching down on the inside to reach out in love, just to love people, just to do something for someone, to those around you who are in need. Listen, that means simply this, that you have mercy for them. You're having pity for them, that you care about them. Oh, Lord knows we need a whole lot more compassion in this world, don't we? We need a whole lot more, not just talk, but listen, but walk. Can you say amen to that? And so let's look in the Old Testament. Will you look there with me? Let's look together and it says God's compassion in the Old Testament now turn to a favorite book of yours it's Lamentations come on all right because I know you're in there all the time and so let's go ahead and turn there and some of your pages are you know you can tell your favorite I can look in your Bible and I can tell man these this is my favorite book to read but the book of Lamentations and some of you may have an iPhone that's cool you say oh man that's quick yeah you can do it that way but Lamentations chapter 3 I want you to listen to this. I want to show you just briefly God's compassion in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament. And so as we go to Lamentations chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 21 through 25. 
chapter 3, 21 through 25. And here's what it says, and I want you to listen to this because this is so, so important to, to grasp, to catch a hold of the nature of God and what God is saying, the character of God. It says this in verse 21. Yes, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Thank you, Lord. For his compassions never fail. Glory to God. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Oh, man, that's good. To know that when you begin to understand his compassion, that his, for his compassion, it never fails. No matter what you're going through, God will never fail. And then it goes on and says that they are new. Everybody say new. They are new every morning. But did I like the first, listen, if you look at verse 21, it says, yes, this I call to mind. What is he calling to mind? In other words, this I want to point out to you. I want to show you something here. So what is he actually calling to mind? Can I tell you? This is it. Because of the Lord's mercy that he has towards you and I, guess what? We're not consumed. And Lord knows. Listen, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I've done some things that, my goodness, if God did not have mercy, I would be consumed. But don't look at me like that. How about you? Amen? So you relate? All right. Listen, also, let me tell you this thing that he's saying. Let me some, tell you some things that he's calling to mind. Here's another one. That God's compassion does not fail. It doesn't fail. He's faithful. But it says here, they do not, listen, they do not fail, not even, and understand, when we're going through difficulties and it seems like they're hard times. There's rivers of mercy that are flowing towards you all the time. God's river of mercy. And it'll continue to flow over you. The streams of God's compassion will continue to reach out to you if you'll receive it. Say, receive it. They're new every morning. And then also, not only this, but turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 86. Mark this down. This is so good. You want to see this. We're still talking in the Old Testament. But you know what? Not only are they new every morning, his compassion, but it says compassion to renew your strength. How many of you can say, man, I need to have my strength renewed? I know that's right. And so you're going to see here what God is saying about how he's compassionate about renewing your strength. So Psalm 86, let's begin reading at verse 14, and we'll go down to 17. So we're looking at the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament say about compassion? And here's what it says. In Psalms 86, verse 14, the arrogant are attacking me, O God, a band of ruthless men seeks my life, men without regard for you, verse 15 says, but you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, who I like that, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and put to shame. Listen, be put to shame for you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Isn't that good? Man, that's great news. But I'm going to tell you this. God is not only compassionate, but he's full of compassion. 
See, he's not only compassionate, but he's full of compassion. Because if someone says, you know, yeah, God is compassionate, then we would say, well, he's compassionate at times. He's not compassionate at times. He is full of compassion. If someone said to you that you were compassionate, there's a difference between being compassionate because it could be seasonal. Come on now. Do you know why I say that? Because you know what happens during certain times of the year? There are people that tend to what? They want to give more. Am I right about that? You know, especially during the holidays because compassion rises up on the inside of them. But someone who is full of compassion, guess what? They're giving all the time. They're doing something all the time for people. They're doing something for the less, you know, the misfortune, anybody. All the time. Say all the time. But let's go to the... That was just a couple in the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. Do you know this, that there, there are eight separate occasions that in Jesus' ministry, so if you take all the Gospels and you get the different accounts, but there's eight separate occasions I want to point out. We're not going to look at all eight this morning, but listen, in Jesus' ministry, that the Gospel writers specifically mentioned that Jesus felt compassion on the crowds. You probably already know or even have some favorite scriptures where you remember that he had compassion. He had compassion on the crowds. And I think about that. And I go, Lord, you are so faithful. And I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14 gives us one particular case I want us to see together. That he's having compassion upon the crowds. Think about your life. Has he ever had compassion on you? Have you ever been through some things and you cried out and said, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. I know I have. I know I have, and I don't mind telling you that, Lord, you have been good to me, and I cry out, and I need your help every time. And let me say this, that we as Christians, we're called to show the same type of compassion. So what I want you to also hear throughout this morning, that the things that we're going to talk about, the things that you're going to hear, the things that we see that Jesus did, you know what? We've been called to do the same. We have been called to show compassion upon other people. Now, let me ask you this. Do you know someone right now? Or maybe you can go back in your life and you go, wow, I had an opportunity to be good to that person and I didn't. And, you know, I, and I'm not saying this, you know, for judgment's sake. I just want to remind you that I believe God will bring opportunities. He'll flow streams of opportunity our way so that we can be good to others and show compassion. And what we have to do is open up our hearts and say, Lord, show me, reveal to me, you know, show me someone to be kind to. Because I believe if we'll just open up our spiritual eyes and look, especially as believers, and you say, well, I don't know what that person is going through. We don't have to know what a person is going through for God's spirit to begin to show us. And guess what? And it's like he pulls us to that person. And you say, can I pray for you? You don't have to go in and say, you know, tell them God said and get all mysterious and all that. What happens? They're like, no, no, thank you. But if you just go up to them and say, you know, I've just been, I, I, I've been watching you. Don't do that. They're like, yeah, well, you're a weirdo. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that. Come on now. Right. Think about it. So, you know, I see sometimes we, we, we get in the way, right? Sometimes we get in the way and we, instead of, we try to be all mysterious and no, just go up to them and just follow your heart and just say, can I pray with you? Can I tell you this? Oh, I, I, this was awesome. I, sh I shared part of the story before we go and read this. We are going to read it. But I shared, I think, I know it was with Miss Janet and maybe Miss Cindy. But this was uh, last week at work. Downstairs, we went to the break room. I call it the break room. It's not really the break room, but it's actually where you go. And, and what is that called? I guess it's where you get food. I guess. I don't know. So cafeteria, that's what it's called. Okay, here we go. 
All right. I just, I don't, I just work there. That's all. But anyways, so we're down in the cafeteria and a friend of mine, his name is Wes. We're standing there. And every time we get together, we encourage each other. Here's what we say. What is the Lord saying to you today? What is the Lord speaking to you today? This is just getting coffee. But we were having a conversation and a gentleman came down. His name is Ken. I never met Ken, but Ken came down and his eyes were wide open. And when he came down, he just stood there and he was listening. And then I noticed that he reached out his hand to Wes because they knew each other. I'd never met Ken and then kind of pulled him into the conversation. But I, I don't believe it was by accident. I believe it was on purpose. And he said to us, you know, I was sitting at my desk and I have a half a cup of coffee, but something on the inside of me told me to come down and get coffee. And I rationalized this. I said, I don't need any more coffee. I've already, I've drank a half a cup of coffee and my cup is half full. Why do I need more coffee? But he said that, and then he said he kind of overrode it. But then it came and impressed upon him one more time, kind of strong. So guess what he did? He got up and he went down. Well, see, I didn't know that, of course, until he told us that he was going through some things in his life. And we began to share exactly what he needed to hear. God did in that very atmosphere. And it was so much so that he started to cry. Tears, I mean, welling up. Here we are, man, and, you know, in the cafeteria. I love that. Those are God moments. And then he begins to cry because he's going through things in relationships, you know, with his wife, with his family, a very hard time, difficult time. And, you know, when someone's talking to you, then they choke up and they do because it's really meaningful what they're going through. And we got through that. It was powerful. But you know what? In a couple of days, I'm walking through another department and he looked for me because, again, I don't really know him. And he came towards me. Now, he's a manager. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that good? No matter who you are. See, God will deal with you if you allow him to. He pulled me aside and he said, hey, can I talk to you? I just want to say thank you for taking time. In fact, being at right in front of the coffee machine when you were there. Because what you and Wes said, I needed to hear. And right after that, right after that, I went back to my desk. And you know what? I got an email from my wife. And from that conversation with you guys, it was preparing me and helping me to actually how to answer and deal with the email. Do you know what? We were able to get together. We were able to pray together. We were able to begin to work on our relationship that actually had gone in different directions. And all because he obeyed God, all because we obeyed God, all because we had compassion as God filled us with, came down, he was getting coffee, but he got more than coffee. And it wasn't a half a cup, it was filled up. Come on now, running over to the full, hallelujah. And that's what God wants to do. But we have to learn how to respond, say respond. Now you probably thought I forgot about Matthew 14, didn't you? I didn't. So here we are, verse 13, are you there? Here it is, feeding of the 5,000. Listen to this. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out and saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Wow. And then it goes on and says this. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a, a, a deserted place. In other words, there's nobody here and the hour's already late. Come on, what are we going to do? And he said, that's what I want you to do. Send them all to the way. So we're telling Jesus, we should just send this is my recommendation. I don't know. I mean, they're just saying, here's what I think. Let's, let's make a, a leadership decision, Jesus. 
Let's just send the people away. This is what they said. Isn't that what it says? Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy, buy themselves food. In other words, they can go to the village and get food for themselves. Ooh, wait a minute. Okay, come on now. Let's continue to read. Then it says, but Jesus said, but Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. Oh, glory to God. He says this, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And then they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. You know what he was saying to them? And you know the rest of the story, how the multitude were fed. You know what he's saying to this? He said, listen, you want me to have compassion on them? Why don't you have compassion on them? What, what do you have? You see, what happens a lot of times we think that we have to have so much in order for God to use us, but we don't have to have so much. We just have to be available. We just have to be willing. We just have to say, well, out of whatever God has blessed you with, that we have to be prepared to do it. I tell you what, once in a while you come across awesome videos. You come across something that really ministers to your heart. And I want you to, in just a moment, I want you to watch this video with me because it's an example of compassion. And you'll see, and I'm going to read because for the back, in the back, you may not be able to see the words. But as we show this, I will read it to you as best I can because uh, it's just, you know, as you can see down there, and it may be really tight. But let's go ahead and look at this together. And this is a wonderful example in dealing with compassion. Let's watch this together. Come out here, see. Let me see. What did you steal? What are you going to do with this? Answer me. Give it to give it to my mom. Wait a second. Wait a second. Is your mom sick? He nods his head. Yes. And don't do it again, she says. Sweetie, veggie soup. In other words, bring me some. Thirty years later, have a seat, Dad. Look, here you go. Okay, next order. Summary of medical expenses. 792 per I don't know what that how much that is, but it's a lot. Urgent for sale. Selling the business. Summary of medical expenses, total zero. Paid in full. All expenses paid 30 years ago.
Is that not compassion? Think about that. One kind act 30 years ago. Man, that just blessed me. And then he remembered, and he remembered that that was the, that was the man who gave me soup for my mom. And she was sick. He remembered that. 30 years ago, because he gave, he in turn gave back. You know what he said? It's paid in full. Isn't that awesome? And that's what God is doing. I believe he's trying to show us and he's demonstrating to you and I this morning, man, that the kingdom of God is more, it's more about others than it is about ourselves. It's more about giving. It's more about extending ourselves. Even sometimes when we don't feel so good about extending ourselves, even when it seems like we're being taken out of our comfort zone, even when it messes up our schedule, but God wants you and I to do what? I believe to pay attention to other people. Can I tell you this about Jesus? That he showed compassion, compassion to the unlovable. That in order to understand what, what fully took place, when we look at the life of Jesus, let me share this with you. Because he, why was he so different? Why was he so different than others? Because he loved the unlovable. Those who, who were at that time the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they said that they had love. They said they knew God, but they weren't extending compassion to those who needed compassion. Jesus showed up on the scene and began to show something totally different than anyone else. This is why they came against him. This is why they beat him. This is why they wanted to destroy him. Do you know what? And dealt with the sinner. Turn with me to Mark's gospel. He dealt with the sinner. Mark chapter 2. I'm just going to give you a couple because of our time. Mark chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. These are people that, that rejected those who said they knew the way and those who were proud of their faith but yet didn't reach out to help those who were really in need. In fact, Jesus went to those that others rejected that everyone else rejected. Let's begin reading Mark chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. This is the story of the Matthew, the tax collector. Verse 15 says this. Now it happened as he was dining, in, in, and it says in Levi's house, that many tax collectors, say many. Do you see that? And it says, and what? Sinners. Wow. Also sat together with Jesus. And his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And it goes on and says, and when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is this that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of physicians. But those who are sick, I did not come, listen, to call, to the, right, call the righteous, but sinners to what? repentance that's compassion that's compassion can I share a story with you and I want then I'll, I'll finish up here because of our time wow I believe that as believers we're supposed to live a balanced life say balance and God has intended for us to do that but here's what I, I want you to see because it's so important um, as we understand this that that as we live a balanced life, can you know, how many of you know that I believe, man, we've got to teach the word? Are you with me? Do, do, I mean, and every time you come in, I'm saying bring your Bibles. 
You know, we're, we, want, we want to teach you where you've got to be in the word. But I also believe that we need to live a balanced life. In other words, we, well, you know, we can have all the world, all the word of God in us. But if we're not reaching out to people, if we don't have compassion for our neighbor next door, then what good is the word doing us? Are you listening to me? You see, and we can be so knowledgeable, we can be so skillful, but if I'm not willing to go out my way, come on now, if I'm not willing to go out my way, maybe I'm going down a different aisle, maybe I'm going to a different car wash, maybe I'm going, you know, to a different grocery store, and maybe perhaps because God is leading me to go in that direction. Maybe it's like, man, I've never taken this turn before, but then all of a sudden you take this turn, you go down this road, and then there's someone on the side of the road who's stranded, really stranded, and you help them put the tire back on their car. You go, wow. And sometimes it goes right over our head. You're thinking, oh, that was, that was no big deal. But it was to them. It was compassion. Say compassion. I want to tell you about a story in my life. And I look at our youth that are over here. And, um, and I want you to see something before we turn there. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. And tell you a story about my life. And this is when I was 15 years old. You know, and God began to deal with my heart. And, you know, we went through some things. And it's like a roller, skirt, a roller coaster, excuse me, up and down. Everybody say up and down. You know, and go, how many have ever been on a roller coaster before, man? You go up and you come down and sometimes you don't like it as much. Or some of you really like it. Come on, how many like, see? But in life, when you're dealing with roller co coasters and you're going up and down, guess what? You have issues and things are happening in your life that you're dealing with difficulties. But let's look at this together. Here it is. First John. Are you there? Chapter 3. I want you to see this. Let's begin reading verse 16, and then I'll tell you my story. This is the outworking of love. When I said we need to live a balanced life, that means that God will bring people by us. God will put us in the pathway of someone who is in need, and all we need to do is respond. And I pray that we will learn to respond and to be sensitive. But it says here, the outworking of love. By this we know love because, is verse 16, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure, listen, our hearts before him. When I was 15 years old, you know, my, some of you know my story. I grew up in the projects. My cousin lived next door, next door meaning in another project. I walked over. I'm 15. So what grade would that be? I know today I'm not sure. Okay, about ninth grade. And so I'm walking up the stairs to go up. He lived on the third floor. And on the first floor, I hear this cry. And it says, help, help, somebody help. I'm like, who is that? And help. So I looked in the window because I'm thinking, what's because it was coming from that window. And what I noticed that there was a man that was laying in the bed and his bed, the sheets was on fire. And so quickly I ran in. The door was open because I believe I guess you know, they have access because he couldn't. He was paralyzed after I began to find out from his waist down. And also he had been in a, a bad car accident. And so I ran in and put the fire out. Well, he had been smoking in bed. Mm. But anyways, so next thing you know, he tells a story to his niece and, and nephew. I'm coming by again, and they pull me aside. And I introduced myself to them, and they said, would you do us a big favor? 
And I'm like, what's that? Would you mind taking care of him? They said, we really appreciate what you've done. We can't be here all the time. But would you mind checking up on him? Just to make sure he's doing okay. Now listen. What that simply meant this. Checking up on him mean, means this. He couldn't get out the bed. He couldn't go to the bathroom. I had to change him. I had to do everything needed. I needed to wash him, bathe him. This is in ninth grade. So I'm telling young people, if you allow the Lord to use you, he will use you. And this is in ninth grade. It was a, it was a responsibility. I'm thinking like, sure. I just said, sure. But there was something on the inside of me that I wanted to do good. I wanted to be, I wanted to help him. His name is Jimmy Williams. And I would come in and I would sit down. Every day I went in, pulled up the chair, and just sat and we talked. And I did what I had to do. I had to change him, do everything like that, and apply certain ointments and all of that. You understand, someone hasn't been in bed for a long time. No big deal. Sat down and we, he asked me how school was going. He asked me about my family. Listen, I, I didn't know the guy. I didn't know anything about him. But we began to build a relationship. I'm in ninth grade. Well, so this went on for a few months. And then, next thing you know, I'm coming over to take care of him. And, of course, niece and nephew said that he's gotten worse. And, you know, we won't need you to help. Well, that means that you understand that he was, he was going to pass away. And that broke my heart. But you know what? It kind of like went on with life. I kind of just did my thing. Went on to high school. You know, played sports. Very active and things of that nature. And I get to, and, and I was a defensive, I mean, a cornerback, you know, and, uh, and got all kinds of accolades and all kinds of awards and different things like that. And next thing I know, that they asked me to stand up. My coach asked me to stand up, and I stood up. And there was this trophy, and it was probably about this big. I haven't grew much since then, but it was probably about this big. It was big. And then I'm like, what is that for? Because everybody else, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I got what I thought I was going to get and all this and all that, and that's wonderful. But then they brought this trophy up, and on the, the actual plate, it says, thank you for taking time out of your life, for taking care of me, Jimmy Williams. Wow. I forgot all about it. What am I saying? That when we do good things for people, People will recognize it, even though it came in the form of it was a trophy, but they recognize this is something significant that this young man did, didn't have to do, and wanted to honor me and gave me something that was really precious. And I would say that night, that was the best award I ever received. And so I tell you that you never know when opportunity will present itself. All you have to do is to be available, say available. And I encourage you, I implore you this morning. My heart is just so full of compassion even now. I mean, as you walk the streets and as you go in stores and as you see people and on corners, I know that sometimes it's like, oh, I'm not going to go talk to her. And I understand you need to use wisdom. But there's, there's leadings and there's promptings and there's things that God will do and he'll show you if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit and guide you. Man, there's so many things that we need to do, we being us, this family here. 
I thank God for you coming and sitting under the word. But we can get so full of the word that spiritually we are so fat. Are you listening to me? With the word. Hello? That we're not doing anything with it. So I'm telling you, I'm going to challenge you. I mean, not just for the rest of the year, but constantly we'll be challenging you. I want you right now. I want you right now. If you have a piece of paper, I need you to do this for me. Henry, can you get a bucket, please? And I want you to write down for me. If you had an opportunity to do something great, significant, to touch someone's life in outreach, something of that nature, what would it be? I want you to write it down. And then I want to collect it. Because out of this moment right now, I believe that God will begin to show you. He'll begin to, to direct you on something that we can do as church, as a church, some things we can do as a church to reach out to people to make a difference. And as you write it down, just fold it over, put it in the bucket. It could be something as simply of us all going to a neighborhood and doing something great. It could be something about going to a nursing home and doing something great. I'm saying you, you pray right now. Take a moment. Think about, Lord, what, what is something you've always wanted to do? And I want you to do this. Think off the clipboard. Don't say, oh, we can't do that. Well, don't do that. Just go ahead and do this. Just write it down. Just write it down. And because when you do that, I want us to then collect it. And then, then I'll be getting back with you. And there's going to be some things that we may be able to do right away. But then there may be some things that we can do later on. But I will tell you, family, there's things that we're going to do. Because people need us. People need you. So take a moment right now. And just begin to say, Lord, what can I do? Lord, what have you called me to do? Maybe it's to take care of the homeless. Maybe it's to take care of the widow. Maybe it's to take care of maybe someone like Mr. Williams. I don't know. But oh, we have so many opportunities and I believe the door of compassion is wide open for us right now this morning. And if you'll be sensitive and listen, the Lord will lead you to what to put down and something that we'll do, some things that we'll do together. Praise God. I'll give you a few. You're writing this out. I, I tell you, and this just stirred up in me all week long and even further than that. It's just been part of my life. And that is simply this, that I know, and, and let me be honest with you, I know that sometimes our flesh, our flesh can seem to be and can be inconvenient, say inconvenient. Or we may feel like, you know, it's an inconvenient to do this or do that. But can I tell you what really matters to people more than anything else? I mean, what matters to God more than anything else is people. You can hold on to that for me. Is people. People, people, people matter to God. They matter to God. And I tell you why they matter to God. It's not because of their flesh. It's not because of who they are. It's not because of their name. It's because of their soul that he's concerned about them, where they're going to spend eternity. And I'm saying to all of us, man, let's be concerned about their souls. Some of us may say, yeah, but, but that person, man, you know, they did me wrong. Do they have a soul? Do they need God? Absolutely. Let me read this to you, then we're going to pray, and we'll close. 
I'm going to read this to you and you can write it down if you like. It's found in the book of Jude. Jude chapter 20, verse 23. And here's what it says out of the New King James. Let this minister to you. I'm talking to you about this. It's simply this. To maintain a balanced life for God. Maintain your life with God. Verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Verse 22 says this, And on some have compassion, making a distinction but others save with fear pulling them out of the fire hating that's defiled by flesh there are some that really we're really going to have to reach down there are those that are going through so much difficulty in their lives that it's going to take us it's going to take prayer it's going to take fasting it's going to take giving but I will tell you, it's going to take being compassionate. But what me, what we, what you and I must have in the forefront of our hearts and mind is that that person is a soul. And if we don't reach them, they can spend eternity totally lost without God. Now, I know when you stand up and write.